Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here. We're back on Amazing Business Radio with another amazing interview. Very excited to have my friend, Sandy Rogers, who is the author of an amazing new book titled Leading Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. Hey, we're going to change it up a little bit today and that normally I start with a monologue and I answer a question. Uh, and here's the thing. We've been getting lots of questions. All you need to do, by the way, to get me to answer your question is just go on any one of the social media channels, uh, such as Twitter, Facebook, whatever, LinkedIn, direct message me, or just do the hashtag, Ask Shep, and I'll be sure to answer your questions in some format. As you know, we have Amazing Business Radio. We have my weekly newsletter, The Shepherd Letter. I have numerous posts throughout the week. I have Twitter throughout the week that I'm always responding to and LinkedIn. We also have an amazing TV show called Be Amazing or Go Home, and that is now available on Amazon Prime and on Roku. So now let's get into Sandy Rogers. Let me tell you a little bit about Sandy. He is the leader of Franklin Covey's Loyalty Practice, and uh, that is an amazing group out there. Franklin Covey, many of you know who he is but or who they are. But you should know that this guy's the real deal. In addition to the 14 years that he's been um, at, uh, is, uh, Sandy, has it been 14 years you've been there? Is that 14 years you were at Enterprise? Jump in. 14. I was at Enterprise 14 years. Ah. And retired from there about uh, a little more than 10 years. Yeah, because it seems like you've been gone for almost forever. So uh, yes. it's only been 10 years. But before his 10-year stint at Franklin Covey, he was at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. The real deal. This guy was involved in the whole campaign. We'll pick you up. He, before that, he was at Apple. He was at P&G. That's Procter & Gamble for those that are young and don't know what P&G is. And uh, he's an amazing guy, and he lived in St. Louis, and now he lives in Florida, and he works out of Utah. Gosh, a man about the world. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Chef, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, Sandy, so much to talk about. You've got this great book, Leading Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. Now, I'm all about creating customer loyalty, and you know I've written a number of books, so why did you decide to write a book to compete against mine? No, seriously, <laughs> why did you decide to write Leading Loyalty? Well, Shep, you and so many others have, have, have done so much work around the importance of loyalty, um, and so we, in our work over the last 25 years, beginning in enterprise and working with a wide range of other organizations since then, keep getting asked this question, how do we earn loyalty faster? Everybody gets the, the, the value and the economics and Fred Reichelt and all of his great work at Bain has quantified why we want to improve loyalty. But this book tells you how to actually do it. Um, and it gets into the behaviors, the specific ways that we as customers uh, want to feel as a result of interactions and experiences in order to earn our loyalty. Mm, love it. So, by the way, you mentioned one of my, I call him a customer service hero. There's only a few that I have, and Fred Reichheld, whether he knows it or not, is one of them because he and his team came up with the famous NPS Net Promoter Score. Enterprise is like the, the poster child for NPS, 
and you were involved during that time. Can we, before we jump into loyalty, because really loyalty and the likelihood to recommend someone shows a level of loyalty and emotional connection. Give us some little, a little background on your NPS experience and enterprise, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, when I joined Enterprise, I, I quickly moved into a, a position of, of heading up marketing. And one of our challenges was to grow the business faster, to create opportunities for all the young people joining the company. Uh, and one of the ways to do that, uh, we felt, was to improve our service so that people would leave and, and would feel like, wow, that was just an incredible experience and tell their friends about us. We found um, that our service is pretty good overall, but it varied widely across our thousands of branch locations. Uh, and so we figured out how to measure it. Um, and then with a the measure, we told uh, everybody we were very serious about improving the measure and reducing the variation. And over the next 10 years, as a result of not promoting people who were below average, it inspired everybody in these branches at Enterprise from the bottom up to find ways to provide better service to customers. The best ideas, again, from the bottom up, spread like wildfire around the organization. The company went from delighting 67% of customers when we first started measuring. 10 years later, that jumped to 80%. But more interestingly, during that 10-year period, the variation in service across the chain went from 28 points to less than 12 points. The company's sales tripled during that 10-year period. Um, and Fred Reichelm talked all about that story in his Harvard Business Review article in 2003 when he introduced the idea of a net promoter score. So we're, we're very proud that, that Fred credits us with inspiring him to, to create NPS. I, I love it. And I'm going to tell you how important it is to enterprise. It's, it's in the culture. It's in the DNA. It's, you know, the, the Taylor family, I mean, they must have been born with the idea that one day somebody would come along with an NPS idea. But here's what's cool is that through acquisition, you pick up National and Alamo rent-a-cars. And at the time, if you looked at the top 10 uh, people companies in that space, Enterprise was a leader from the standpoint of customer service and customer satisfaction and NPS scores. And they were, if you had to divide it in half, they're, they're in the top half, not only in the top half, but the top of the top half. The other two companies, National and Alamo, that were acquired, which, by the way, I guess are owned by the same company, um, they were they were what made the top half possible. <laughs> it's, a, it's a joke. And within an extremely short period of time, when you infuse the enterprise culture into these other two organizations, within a very short period of time, they found themselves in the top half. Anything you want to address to that before we jump into your book? Because I think this is a total setup because what this is is credibility, and you have it if anybody has it. You, my friend, have it. Well, I, I had already retired from Enterprise when the acquisition of National and Alamo occurred in 2007. But I'm so glad you mentioned that because it is such an incredible example of the power of the culture that Andy Taylor and that organization had built over the years. So when uh, in 2007, Enterprise buys National and Alamo. And in the J.D. Power rankings at the airport, I believe uh, Enterprise was always number one. National and Alamo were like five and six. And three years later, the ranking in J.D. Power were Enterprise number one, National number two, Alamo number three. So it, like you said, in a very short period of time, implementing the metrics for each of the National and Alamo locations and holding them responsible from the bottom up to, to figure out how to get better, 
transformed the culture in those businesses. Many of the employees were exactly the same. It was just different management, different expectations. So I, again, Chef, thank you for pointing to the uh, very powerful culture enterprise has around delivering customer loyalty. Well, and now we're going to jump into your book, but I'm going to tease everybody because we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about leading loyalty, cracking the code to customer devotion. This is the information that you want to hear, that you need to hear, and it's coming from a guy that is an expert in this world. So everybody, don't go away. We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form. And each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more. All about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Sandy Rogers. His book, oh, he's actually co-authored the book. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about his partners in that in just a moment. But it is titled Leading Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. And guess what? It is out. If you're listening to this episode as it releases today, it is out today. You can buy it everywhere, but especially at Amazon.com. Sandy, uh, let's talk about the book. Uh, we know why you decided to write it. We know how important it is. Why is leading loyalty more relevant than other books on the same topic, other than mine, of course? I just, I, I got it. That's an old joke. Now I got to stop that because, I, <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. By the way, uh, tell us a little bit about your your co-authors too and what they bring to the table. Well, longtime uh, partners at Franklin Covey. Uh, Sean Moon and Elena Renee, and uh, it was just a pleasure uh, working on this book with them. Uh, each of us brings a, a very different perspective, um, so that, that's been terrific. And I got to mention, Shep, um, I just took a, another look through the Convenience Revolution, which I read a few months ago. Uh, your latest book, I believe. Thank and you. Just you know h- how important it is to bring these principles that we talk about in this book to life in the experiences we deliver our customers. You know, a commitment to, to, to convenience and eliminating friction and using technology and making it easy for customers to do work with us, it, it exactly exemplifies the principles we talk about in leading loyalty. And that is customers have to feel empathy, um, that, that, that we really get where they're coming from, that we really care about you know, how they're feeling and, and what they're trying to, to do. Uh, two, we got to take responsibility for the real jobs they're trying to get done. And three, customers have to feel that we're being generous with them, uh, generous with their time, generous with our thoughts and ideas to make their lives easier. Uh, and so I see a lot of overlap with your great work and, and what we're trying to teach people to do. Right. And and trying to create empathy in a digital world is it's sometimes very difficult. People get caught up in, and same thing with, I mean, I can see responsibility. We could be responsible, use all the tools we want, but creating empathy and generosity, or at least a feeling of, it takes a good balance between digital and human, or it takes a great person to put together a program that makes people feel, even though uh, they may never talk to a human being, that they feel connected in some way. Uh, I love how Netflix makes you feel like they know who I am. Uh, same thing with Amazon. Uh, uh, I mean, am I on the right track with those thoughts? 
Absolutely. And, and we all, as consumers, have experiences where we, we sense tremendous empathy from the people who designed these apps or these websites or these policies and procedures and, and others that have no empathy for us. You know, the people that invent the maze that makes us wait for 15 minutes to finally talk to somebody at the cable company who then offers a, a fake apology and, and, and only then starts to solve our real problem. Drives so me crazy. You, got to have genuine empathy and empathy doesn't come through scripts and telling people what to do. Um, it comes through designing um, an environment that allows, whether it's technology or human interaction, and it could be in person or online or, um, or digital, but there's got to be a feeling from the customer. These people really care about me. They respect my time. They understand what I'm trying to get done here. And that's such an important first step to earning anyone's loyalty. Right. So I'm going to paraphrase something because I think this is a tweetable moment. Empathy, responsibility, and generosity are three principles we learned in kindergarten, and hopefully they're ingrained in our psyche, thereby ingrained in the people and the, in the culture of the companies we do business with. And exactly. that's just taking a paragraph that I have here from you. That's your quote, not mine. I just think that, that summarizes it exactly what you're trying to say. And, and so when we explain these ideas of empathy, responsibility, and generosity, people say, yeah, I learned that stuff in kindergarten, right? Yeah. And we did. Common and, sense. And just, it's not so common. Un- unfortunately, it's not common practice in so many interactions. And so, Chef, why is that? If this is such common sense, why don't we see this more often? Well, it's because we're busy. In the whirlwind of our daily lives, we've got so many tasks. We've got you know, sales goals and expense reduction targets, and we lose sight of the power of living these principles more often in our interactions, not only with customers, but also with each other, with our coworkers, our colleagues. And, and I, one of the things that, that you said that I think is so critically important, the customer experience rarely exceeds the employee's experience. Right. So we gotta start by earning the fierce loyalty of our employees, by treating them with empathy, with responsibility and generosity. And underneath each of these principles, there are practices that we teach in the book. Eleven chapters, uh, one chapter describes each principle or practice and gives them uh, a recommended huddle to do. Uh, So at the end of the chapter, there's a a little guide to run a 10, 15 minute conversation with your work group to talk up to, first of all, celebrate people who are living the principle and practice that we're talking about. And then talk about how do we apply it within the challenges, the nuances of the work we do every day. And then third, what commitments could we each you know, make to go try these things and then come back next week for our 15-minute huddle and talk about what worked and, and what didn't so we can get better. All right. So you're, this is the loyalty huddle that you refer to in the book. And if there's one thing, I mean, you can – we all could say a lot of what we've talked about so far is common sense. And you even admitted it. We learned this stuff in kindergarten, I think, was the exact line you used. And here's the thing. You need to constantly remind people, reinforce it, restate it different ways, come at them at different angles, and you need to do it ongoing over and over again. Some companies do it daily. I think at a minimum you should do it weekly. Some companies say, hey, we do it once a month. Well, once a month is better than none a month, right? right. But once yep. a week, 10 to 15 minutes a week is all we're talking about. 
you refer to this as the loyalty huddle. And I think it does so much more than just talk about the loyalty that we give to our customers. You mentioned you celebrate the successes and the wins of the people who are sharing examples. So there's a lot that's going on to that. And if you want to take another moment or two to expand on what a good loyalty huddle looks like, that would be great before we move on to the next topic. Well, sure. It's not always what gets measured that improves. It's what gets celebrated, right? And so, you know, being appreciated for what we're doing, being noticed. I mean, if we want these behaviors, these principles to come alive more often with our customers and with our colleagues, we've got to carve out 10, 15 minutes a week to celebrate people who do them. We've got to create a safe space to talk about them. You know, it's easy to say, oh, we should be more generous with our customers. But how about having a conversation about, well, why aren't we more generous? I mean, what gets in the way of us being generous? Are we constrained by policies that that we don't believe in, um, that sort of not only undermine our customers' loyalty, they undermine our loyalty? And this is a good place to have that discussion. And over time, people will open up and share it. Exactly. And there are things that are in the team's control. One of the things that Enterprise is great at is saying, hey, look, if it's in your control and somebody's got a great idea, go try it. Run an experiment. And if it works, those are the ideas that spread from the bottom up. I mean, the idea of picking up customers came from a a local general manager and then spread across the company. Um, And then there's those things that are policies and procedures that the branch can't necessarily change. But it's the obligation of their managers to clear the path, to, to take the charge up to the to the you know decision makers and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. We've got to do something about this. Yep. So it, it, this isn't a complaint or a bitch session. This is an open, honest conversation. And I think this is extremely powerful. Before we jump off this, um, just a few weeks ago, I interviewed one of my other customer service heroes, and that's Horst Schultz, who was the co-founder of the Ritz-Carlton and their first president. And one of the things they do over there is they don't have a weekly huddle. They don't have a daily huddle. It's a shift huddle. Every shift, which I guess is daily, is really fascinating. They remind everybody of what their vision is or their credo, as they call it. We're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Then they have 24 gold standards that they talk about, the standards that drive that statement. And in this short huddle before every shift, they are reminded of one of the 24, and they do them in sequence. And by the way, if you go to the Ritz-Carlton in St. Louis, Missouri, where I live and you used to live, and you go to the Ritz-Carlton on the other side, uh, let's say the Ritz-Carlton in London or Singapore or wherever, you will get the same principle every day that's being taught. It's consistent. At the end of 24 days, they start over. It's like, it's like shampoo. It's like you lather, you rinse, you repeat. I don't know that as much anymore, but I hear that's what they do with shampoo. So, but the point is that that is a time for them to talk about the principle, talk about the success that people have had. And I think you're, you're spot on. The, 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 that's one thing. If people would just do that huddle on a regular basis, I believe, Sandy, that they would start to see an increase in service and loyalty from both not only customers but also employees. Agree. And I say Horse Schultz is such a great example because um, I love the fact that they do their huddles from top to bottom every day. So the CEO team is doing the same huddle that the people on the front line are right. doing. So, and, and I love this idea that not only are we ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen, but no matter what your job is, you have up to $2,000 at your discretion 
to make a problem right for a customer. I, I'm a $12 an hour employee. I'm just filling up water glasses at the table and, and I'm being told that I have up to $2,000 to fix a problem for a customer. See, that kind of empowerment not only creates the customer loyalty that Ritz-Carlton has earned, it creates the employee loyalty that every organization wants and needs. Because everybody, they feel they're trusted and they're valued. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, oh, we've got some great information. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, loyalty programs and reward programs. I'd love to talk to you about what companies and organizations are doing that are sabotaging customer relationships. All that and more when we come back on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Sandy Rogers about the new book, Leading Loyalty. I want to jump into the concept of um, loyalty programs and reward points. We don't need to spend a lot of time on that, but I think it's important. Do they really drive loyalty? I think they help um, ensure with frequent flyer miles and reward programs and discounting and promotions. And the problem with them is that they're so easily copied by competitors. And we find, Chef, that the difference between a good and a great experience often comes down to how we feel about the people interacting with us. Um, you know, Jack Taylor said, um, when people walk out of our enterprise branches, they, they should feel like, wow. That was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Where do they get people like that? And so we, we, we coach our clients that if you really want to go from good to great, it's about getting your people to behave more consistently in ways that just, you know, fire your customers up from the heart about, you know, how, you know, about how they're feeling about you and, and your, um, your business. Yeah, I think the, the whole thing about loyalty programs that are like points-based, I feel that they're more marketing programs than loyalty programs. The things mm-hmm. that you've talked about, you know, the concepts of empathy and generosity and responsibility, to me, that goes toward the emotional engagement rather than something that could be measured by numbers. Uh, customer yeah. satisfaction surveys, and even NPS is a number, but when we talk about loyalty, I believe that's more of, a, of an emotion uh, that, that's that right. connects with people. So that's yep. where those empathy and, and those types of words belong is in the emotional side. Exactly. So let's talk about the most damaging thing organizations can do to a customer relationship uh, to prevent loyalty. We call it the loyalty prevention department. Well, I think, you know, you tell me, but one of the most frustrating things that I as a customer will see is is a failure to take responsibility uh, for a simple thing that has gone wrong. And that failure often comes because the the people on the front line are are constrained um, by by policies or um, or procedures uh, or they just haven't been managed and led in a way that that inspires them 
to, to, to treat the customer like a human being and, and take ownership and fix it. And I tell you, one of the most dramatic examples I, I can remember uh, was when I was uh, meeting with the, the CEO of a, a major uh, baby retail chain. And he said, um, you know, you may have heard this story because it's been all over the Internet. Uh, but this man comes into one of our stores and he's got a load of unopened baby items that he wants to return them. And uh, the CEO says, Sandy, you're not going to believe it, but our people, you know, they, they found out that the reason he was returning them was because he and his wife had just experienced a miscarriage. And the poor guy was so upset, just wanted to return these new items. And our people said, uh, you know, we've got a policy. you got to have a receipt. You can't return them. And he's just like, how could I, as the CEO of this chain, allow a policy like requiring a receipt get in the way of doing the obvious human thing for this person? Um, and, you know, as we all know, or a chain like this has, has since gone bankrupt, closed every one of their stores. I don't know if it was because of a lack of empathy for this customer. I certainly know they were having financial challenges, but I do know this. And Shep, I think you would agree to earn the loyalty of not only our customers, but anybody in our life, we have to first have empathy for their situation. Yeah. And, and you know, loyalty goes both ways. Um, you know, the person, first of all, bought from us in the first place. We got to give them a little love back um, and, you know, the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, what? there's always going to be somebody that's going to try to take advantage of you. No doubt about it. There, I, I love, I wrote about this, uh, Guitar Center, which is one of my favorite stores to go to. Uh, major chain retailer in the music industry. If you walked into their store with a purse or a, a bag or a piece of equipment that you wanted to return or maybe you wanted repaired, there was a desk that you had to go to and check in, and they would inventory what was what you had. And and then they would let you go through, and on the way out, they inventoried and made sure it matched. And I don't remember all the numbers, but I believe it was – it was definitely a seven-figure investment to manage the inventory control going in and out of there to, uh, to try to diminish the, you know, the shrinkage and the, the theft that's going on. Well, the interesting thing was is that like, the, the actual theft was a fraction of what it cost to prevent the theft, yes. so, which basically says people are going to steal no matter what. You don't want to make it easy, and you want to keep an eye on it. I get it, but at the same time, don't penalize good people for the sins of a few. Uh, that's that's number one. Number two is, you know, there's that friction we talked about at the beginning of our conversation. You know, you're just making it a little bit harder yes. to do business with somebody, and it's going to come back to bite you. So right. um, anyway, I, I love this concept. All right, we're winding down here, and I want to do the one thing question. Uh, is there one thing that you just absolutely want to make sure that this audience knows about your book? And I love the book. What do they need to know? before we get off? Well, the book is called Leading Loyalty. And, and the one thing is, is that leadership is, is a choice. It, it's not what's on your name tag. I mean, you know you're a leader if you look over your shoulder and, and you see people following. You need to choose to be a loyalty leader. And it, whether you're in a leadership role or not, you can choose to adopt this, this idea, this paradigm, this commitment to having more empathy, responsibility, and generosity in all your interactions and you will find that this not only makes your work life a lot more fun and successful, it will have a profound impact on your personal life as well. Oh, yeah. Very, uh, very fulfilling to have these kinds of feelings that people out there actually love to do business with you, gives you purpose to your work. 
The book is titled Leading Loyalty, Cracking the Code to Customer Devotion. It is written by Sandy Rogers, uh, Lena uh, Renee, and Sean Moon. And you can get it today at Amazon.com. And here's my suggestion. Uh, Like the Monopoly board says, do not pass, go, or collect $200 until you go to Amazon and get this book. Sandy, thanks for being on the show, man. We love having you. Thanks so much, Chef. All right, everybody. Until next week. This is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.